Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doylestown Presbyterian Church. It's clear these days it's tough to make time. Schedules quickly become busy and calendars suddenly become full. To that end, DPC is excited to now offer this podcast channel, which will allow you to hear a recording of Sunday's sermon from that day's preacher. Whether you listen while taking an evening stroll, driving to and from the grocery store, or anytime you get a free couple of minutes, we hope it can allow for reflection and spiritual growth during your week. We also invite you to visit www.dtownpc.org to learn more about our church, our various ministries, and online giving opportunities. Thank you for tuning in. When I was in high school, one of my favorite extracurricular activities was working on the yearbook. I enjoyed the creative process of laying out pages, writing the copy and the headlines. I enjoyed taking the photos, developing them in the school darkroom, and then seeing some of them appear in the final product. I enjoyed the fact that we got together during the school day, didn't have to come later, but instead, one of the class periods was set aside for us to engage in that work. In fact, the only thing I really didn't enjoy about that whole experience was the fact that as a staff member, I had to sell advertisements. I'd never been particularly good at that. I can think back to when I was a boy in Little League Baseball and we would have to sell raffle tickets at the spring of each year. And I think my personal best was selling three. And after that, my parents wouldn't buy anymore. (laughs) I felt about the same about that experience when I was required to sell ads for the yearbook, but I knew it was part of the deal. And each of us had a quota. Each of us was given advertisers from the past that were thought to be a sure renewal, but our quota was higher than the amount those returnees totaled, and so we'd have to generate some new revenue. One day, I made a cold call on a photography business near our school. The owner greeted me warmly, and then I made my pitch, probably something like, you don't want to buy one of these ads, do you? (laughs) But, Miraculously, he said, sure. What size do you think I should get? I'd never been asked that before. And I really stumbled and said, I I don't know, maybe a half page? And he said, I'll buy that, but you should know that if you had suggested a full page, I would have bought that instead. Well, upon hearing that, I sprang into a salesperson mode I didn't know I had and said, on second thought, I think given the success of your business and its prominence, that you should, and to no avail, as he would not budge. As I left his office that day, I walked away with two lessons. First, that I should really leave selling to the professionals. And secondly, that there are these moments when we have nothing to lose and should jump all in. We see that latter kind of experience for a fisherman in the text that we heard moments ago from Luke's Gospel. It tells of a day when Jesus is 
along the shoreline of what Luke calls the, the Lake of Gennesaret, which is really the Sea of Galilee, the term that we know for it. The crowds are starting to press in on him because he's about to speak to them from God's word. And so Jesus looks around and sees a couple of boats right there at the shore with the fishermen, the owners of those boats washing out their nets. They have been unsuccessful in all night fishing and now are preparing to go home. Peter walks over to Simon and asks if he will push his boat out just a little bit. Jesus is wanting to use it as a kind of floating pulpit and needs Simon's help to hold the boat from drifting while Jesus talked. And Simon accepts, likely because he wants to repay the favor Jesus had offered his family of healing his mother-in-law in a scene that is described by Luke in the previous chapter. When Jesus finishes teaching on that day, he doesn't then turn to Simon and say, thank you for your help and get back off the boat and start walking away. Instead, he turns to that man and says, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon is reluctant, but follows along with the request and soon we are told the nets are so full that they are about to break. Simon motions for James and John, the brothers who are partners with him in this business, and they get the fish in their boats and they begin to sink. And with all that they have witnessed, Simon falls before Jesus and says, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. And in response, Jesus says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And Luke tells us that in response, those three fishermen left everything behind and followed. This is the moment in Luke's gospel when Jesus calls his first disciples. And as such, it is an ideal time for us to think back on the how and when in our own journeys when we first accepted that invitation. It's a natural way that we'd reflect upon that, that moment. And yet, as is true of the entirety of the Bible, so are there other things that we can take from those events that lead us to ponder different pieces. That scene shows, for instance, how Jesus went to where the people were, in this case, near the lake, and didn't wait for them to come to him only. And that's a helpful reminder for the church in the fullness of its ministry. That scene reveals how all of us have times when we need to ask for help, and how not only is that an act of humility, but it is one that ultimately can bless both parties. And that scene could be a time when you think back on your life in a different way, namely of how you were going along a particular path and this dramatic moment happened and suddenly everything changed as you went in a new direction. All of those pieces of reflection and more can come from those 11 verses. And yet what struck me about that scene was the way that Simon one who the world would soon come to know as Peter, 
was presented with this encounter that could change his life and how he almost missed it. And it came in that instant when Jesus told him to go out in the deep and cast his nets again. Now, I'm someone who knows nothing about fishing. And so the significance of that gesture is really lost on me. And yet Ken Bailey, who is a Presbyterian minister and professor who spent decades living in the Middle East, has this great gift of helping us in the West understand more that's going on in that part of the world still. And he has this guess about what was happening for Peter. Peter was exhausted. He and his partners had fished all night and caught nothing. The very idea that a landlubber from the highlands of Nazareth, who had never wet a line, should presume to tell a seasoned fishing captain what to do is preposterous. The fish, Bailey says, can see and avoid the nets during the day, but they feed at night. The order to launch into the deeps in broad daylight is ridiculous. And so he imagines how Peter might have responded. Listen, teacher. My boys and I are professionals. We know where the fish feed. It's along the shore. And the best time to catch them is at night. That's why we were out on the lake all last night. We're not stupid. We have just worked the fishing areas and caught nothing. We are now dead tired, and I have stayed awake a few more hours to serve you. You rabbis think you know everything. And now you order me to fish during the day in deep water. Well, Jesus does encounter resistance from Simon after making that request, but the way Luke describes it is having Peter really uncharacteristically understated in his response as he says to Jesus, Master, we, we have fished all night and have caught nothing. He could have stopped there. He could have said, I'm exhausted and I'm going home. He could have arrived in their home and said to his wife, you remember that man who, who helped your mother get better? You won't believe what he just asked me to do. We could have understood if Peter had reacted in that way because there are moments for us as well when we have repeatedly tried to make something happen only to come up short. Maybe in our case, it's, it's not when we're trying to catch fish, or rather when, but rather when we spend hours trying to figure out this math problem that escapes us. Maybe in our case, it, it isn't one where we've worked the night shift and are now exhausted, but rather when we have been engaged in this hard conversation with a loved one struggling with addiction. Maybe for us, it's not in those moments when we're using our expertise and our training to feed our family, but rather in those times when we're repeatedly trying to get an interview for a better job. And when we're in the face of those kinds of situations, if someone were to say to us, try it again, 
it would be completely understandable if we said, I've done that, it didn't work, and it won't work now. Simon could have said that. But instead, when Jesus makes this request of him, he says, if you say so, I will let down my nets. Those are not words of great confidence. It is not a response that suggests that Simon believes anything is going to be different with this next effort. Rather, it's the response of a man who is too tired to argue and who has nothing to lose. And so he acts on what Jesus is requesting of him. And his life is forever changed. I wonder if that isn't really the message for us as we gather on this day to consider what it is that Jesus is urging us to do. Maybe for us, it's a call to trust him more and to not worry so much. Maybe it's a word from him that suggests that while we may have accurately recognized the problem in our family or our church or our nation, we have a part to play in making things different. Maybe it's a moment when he's urging us to have one more try at reconciliation, to send out one more resume, or to stand up one more time and call for civil discourse. The settings will certainly vary. And when we find ourselves sensing that's what we are being called to do, we can naturally say, I've done that, it didn't help in the past, and it won't be any different. And we might be right. We could also consider the response of that fisherman of long ago and respond to that nudging by replying, if you say so. Will our life be turned around? I don't know. But I think it's fair to say that we won't ever know unless we are willing to consider responding as did the very first disciple. And that despite our well-reasoned and experience-based arguments against doing so, that we decide that we have nothing to lose and instead step forward in response to our Lord who is calling us to go. Let's pray. We give thanks, O oh God, for the ways that you are ever working in our lives. We thank you for those moments when we are surprised by a turn of events surprised by how trying again 
results in something completely different. And we thank you for the witness of your servant, Simon Peter. We pray that as we continue in this journey with you, that we might be attuned to your leading once more and ready to respond even when we've done it before. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on your journey of faith. Don't forget to check out www.dtownpc.org to explore all the ways DPC strives to be a bridge for Christ and a beacon of his love.